All right, everybody, welcome in. It is your last day of March, uh, Blue and Orange Football Podcast presented by Blue Wire Hustle. I am your host, Jacob Roach, joined as always by my co-host, Isaac. We're at Roachism13 and Isaac10G on Twitter. Uh, Isaac, how are we rounding out the m- month of March? How are we doing over there? We're doing good, man. There are plenty of things to be positive about for both the Browns, for both the Giants. We've got an exciting show with a guest uh, a, a guest to be on our show tonight. I think you guys are going to like it, and we're going to get right down into it. Yeah, I am fangirling all over the place tonight. Um, Locked on Browns. Jeff Lloyd is joining us for an, a conversation that I am so incredibly eager to get into. Um, he's gracious enough to join us. We're going to get over that interview here shortly. Um, yeah, I can't. I, I had anxiety about it today uh, and was not sure if I could go through with the podcast. But after some pep talks, we are <laughs> we are ready to go. Time and you are ready to go. I've got my A game on. It's an exciting thing. I mean, we started this podcast um, not long ago, last season during the playoffs, and, and this season we were able to get to more of a, a routine and consistent schedule, and we've been continued to, to to record and grind and go forward, and, you know, through the, the, the dedication and the networking that you have shown um, on Twitter, because you are by far much better on Twitter than I ever will be, um, you've been able to get some great people on here and this is an exciting time for the podcast it's an exciting time for you with you being um, a fan of this podcast and, and uh, Jeff Lloyd so you know I'm excited about it hopefully all of you listening in are excited about it it's gonna be a good night I listen to Jeff almost every day um, you know locked on Browns I've I've talked about Jeff on this show and Pete Smith and other people from that show for a long time so I'm very excited I'm very excited and very ready to get get going with this um so we're going to get over to that uh, now, and we'll hop on here and talk a little bit of uh, miscellaneous stuff after the interview. All right, Jeff. So we're, si- we're, we're, we're in the, the lull down period, right? We've gone from, uh, you know, Andrew Barry making these flurry of moves to now he's making his, his savvy moves. Um, I want to start off the top with Jadavian Clowney. Um, and that's because I was a guy that did not want Jadavian Clowney. I think it had to do with the money for me and just I'm not sure where he is from uh, a health standpoint, which I know I trust Andrew Barry and what he does. He's much smarter than I am. You know, I'm not going to pretend to know more than he does. So I saw an interesting thing today and then Lane Adkins came out and kind of shut it down that the Browns hadn't offered him a multi-year deal that some random Tennessee Titans guy had tweeted about. I don't know if you saw it or not, um, but it was it was shut down. I I looked a little bit more into Jadavian Clowney. Jake Burns did a film breakdown and talked about his ability to set the edge and stop the run. How do you feel about Jadavian Clowney? And like, are you kind of like me? Can you just take him or leave him? Or, or how, how do you feel about that? I see. This is one of the things I think that gets misunderstood with Jadavian Clowney is whenever you look at edge rushers, what's the first thing anybody's going to look for? Sack numbers. Yep. That is what they do. Um, and we, and it's interesting because we all just danced this dance for two years, Cleveland Browns wise, with Olivier Vernon. And everybody in, in 2019, everybody, well, he's not good. This was never worth it. Da, da, da. 
And it's like, well, are you looking and seeing what he's doing besides just chasing after the quarterback? And as much as everybody loves Miles Garrett, he still can improve as a run defender. There's no questions with that. Um, Jadavion Clowney brings that. But also, and I think this is where some people are also misconstruing it, is, is he is all motor. And so, look, when we're going to face Lamar Jackson twice a year, it's not over because you didn't get the quarterback. You, A, then have to turn and then still try to be part of getting him down. Mm-hmm. Zach McKinley was one of the reasons they had this interest in him because he's a very fast player. Um, this is where the same thing would go with Jadavian Clowney. And you want to continue to do this. And it's a lot of it's about foot speed. and But also it's about that Clowney, look, his first step is able to break into the backfield creates a lot of havoc and that makes everybody's job easier and look it's not going to be a multi-year thing it's not Jadavian Clowney for what was last year and what's been basically the calling card for the last couple of years if he wants big money a number one it's a limited cap you're not cashing in this year Jadavian Clowney it's just not going to happen for him and if he was going to cash in it would have happened by now now it's time where everybody's a little bit tight, and this is where the Browns were really smart because they have not restructured one contract yet. So if Jadavian Clowney says, hey, I like that one-year deal, let's roll, the Browns can go talk to J.C. Treader, Joel Batonio, whoever it may be, and say, hey, look, for the good of everybody, yes, wide receivers included as well, <laughs> I was waiting for save it. a million dollars. If you all want to bring in this superstar, we can shave a million dollars, bang, bang, bang. We get one more great player into the building in Jadavian Clowney. I do think they're as much as they want this dance with Jadavian Clowney. I do believe that they have some trepidation about it. You know that hey, we know there's a big injury history. There could be a problem somewhere, so, and they've already hedged their bets with Tack McKinley, Joe Johnson. They like as a run defender. Um, they're obviously going to draft probably yet one more pass rusher. Uh, so it's it's just smart. And look, there's sometimes when front offices, general managers, anybody within a front office that says, man, I've had my eye on this player for years. I would love to get this chance. And with the flirtation last year, with the amount of money they offered him, they would like to at least get him into the building for at least one year. Yep. And the other thing that doesn't hurt is there's not many people who match up athletically on paper with Miles Garrett, but Jadavian Clowney does. And there has to be some history between Clowney and Miles Garrett as they share the same agent. Yeah, and and you know we you kind of touched on with the with the Vernon stuff. I I honest to, to goodness did not really realize about Clowney's impact on the run game. I I mean I and, and this is where I can find myself being hypocritical sometimes, like, oh, I don't want this guy or I don't like this guy. And I, and I thought, I need to be more open to these sort of things because, like you said, Andrew Barry is, has flirted, we've done this dance. And Andrew Barry's going to continue to do this dance till Jadavian Clowney's not in the league, if you ask me. Like, I mean, it, it, it certainly feels like it. Or, or until he's in Cleveland, right? And I've said it a million times. I've heard you say it, you know... Andrew Barry, he's got a plan. He knows how to get to where his vision is. And if and if if his if he's set on Jadavian Clowney, 
Clowney can help this team. Like, to me, it's just, I, I don't, I, I just, I, I beg the people that say, you know, oh, he's, he didn't get any sacks or he didn't, uh, you know, he's injury prone. He's still graded in the mid seventies on pro football focus in what was considered a down year for him. And, and you know, he, you've said it. You just said it perfectly. Not many people can athletically do what Miles Garrett can do. And could you imagine sit, being a defensive coordinator, having to match for those two things? And then, in, in the, and oh my goodness, it's slipping me right now. The defensive tackle, uh, Malik, um, is it? Jackson. Jackson, okay. I always get it mixed between Jackson and Jefferson. And I, I mean, that dude can rush the passer too. And, and, you, and you're looking... And maybe you slide miles inside and put tack on the outside and you have those like that to me, if it's third and 15 and those four guys are coming at you, I don't see you. Com- I mean, Patrick Mahomes, maybe, but outside of him, who's converting those? Well, no, the problem is, is everybody has a great first step. And when you and when you can play both facets of defensive line. Or you can even keep Sheldon Richardson out there, who used to play 3-4 edge for the Jets back in the day. It's just this mix of athleticism. And, well, we you know we really have a running back that we like to involve in the passing game. Well, guess what? You're not going to be able to do that. Because yeah, what if you have Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, Sheldon Richardson standing over your two guards in your center? What are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, what are you going Because guess what? Between the three of those, somebody's going to win. Yeah. Somebody is going to win, and now you've got problems. And if two of them win, play's over. Yeah, absolutely. So I got you're with me on this, the linebacker thing, and we got to touch it, the draft and the linebacker thing. I'm just going to touch it briefly. We're not going to talk about Hugh Jackson. I saw your tweets; they echoed about my tweets about Hugh Jackson. I can see the eye rolls. It, 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 it we're um, look if it's if it's the middle of May and nothing's going on, or it was late February when nothing's going on. If you are this starved and you don't want to do your homework and learn about draft prospects, and, and look, these radio stations can call any one of ten NFL agents and say, "Hey, we'd love to talk with your prospect. Can you give us five minutes?" My God, I don't care that you wrote a book. I mean, look, God bless you. Best of luck with the book. But then to say things like. I had no idea what the plan is. Joe Thomas knew what the plan was. You were the head coach and you did not know what the plan or what the direction of this franchise was. And then guess what? Oh, well, Baker Mayfield, I, I don't know why he didn't like me. He doesn't, doesn't like me. Maybe because you sat him for two games because of Tyrod Taylor. I'm sorry, two and a half games. The only reason you put him in is because you had no other choice. You, no wonder the kid doesn't like you. You... You made a spectacle on Hard Knocks telling Baker Mayfield that he beat Drew Stanton. He needs to to follow around Drew Stanton, Tyrod Taylor, and learn. Yeah, okay. And then you're like... No wonder the kid doesn't like you. He sits up... My favorite scene ever on Hard Knocks is he sits him down and says, we just want you to know, Baker, that you've won the backup quarterback job. (laughs) You drafted me number one overall. Number one overall. I beat Drew Stanton. And then you drafted Nick Chubb, and you watched oh. him torch the Raiders in week four, and then you basically treated the kid like he had, you know, one of the worst diseases that was contagious yeah. for the better part of six weeks because you didn't let him play. Dorsey forced your hand by trade. You had to, you forced your GM to trade it, dude. 
Nick Chubb's the best running back in the league. I'll say it. Like, I'll, I'll say it. The, mo- the best pure running back in the league is Nick Chubb. And, and Isaac's with me on this. He's he's a Saquon guy, but he'll tell you pure running back, it's, it's, it's Nick Chubb. So, you know... There's, a, there's one great way to fire up Browns fans, as you can tell, and it's the bring up the Hugh Jackson thing. I know, um, I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, you started locked on. Was it 0-16 was your first season? I, yes, I was here for Miles Garrett's rookie year, yes. So um, Everybody questioned my mental health at the time. I will be honest, I was questioning my own mental health probably half the time. But it was great, though, because by, like, October, it was like, okay, draft preview the Browns game. Let's do a post game on the Browns game, and then we'll do draft for three episodes, and then <laughs> I, we'll start it all over again. I um I have a very interesting uh, perspective on on the. Oh, and 16 season. Oh, and 16 season, I was deployed to Afghanistan. So I was, <laughs> I got to experience, I was watching on the armed forces network, which would only carry a couple of games, you know, on Sundays. I, I watched a lot of pirated games cause I watched all 16 of them and, um, they finally were carrying the Browns week 17 against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we are eight and a half hours ahead so it was about midnight, and here comes here comes Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> he hits Corey Coleman in the damn chest. <laughs> and I just, I like to tell people, I, I say that was, the, if anybody ever tries to say anything to me about being a Brown, Browns bandwagoner in these coming years, these Andrew Barry... There we go. Okay. So I always tell everybody, everybody, if they want to try to come at me like I'm a bandwagon fan, I'm like, listen, man, I was being shot at and blown up while we didn't win a game. And I still kept rooting for us. I There was those things on Facebook that said, like, the ways the 0-12 Browns could still make the playoffs because they didn't get mathematically eliminated to, like, week 14. <laughs> and it was just – I just – I like to reminisce a little bit, and I know, like I said, I've heard you talk about that. That's the time you came on the show, so I just kind of wanted to let you know that I was with you that year. <laughs> oh, it was! Oh my lord, it, it, it was rough. It, it was it was really it, it was it was a rough, rough, rough year. And but I think it was the key, though. But I mean, you knew Miles Garrett was there. You knew you had draft capital going into the next year, and you know, obviously they. He picked apart everything, but look, at the end of the day, they finally have the recipe right in that building from top to bottom, front office, coaching staff, players. It took a while, and obviously Jimmy Haslam had to realize, oh, I didn't make any money in football. I made my money outside of here, so maybe I should just shut the hell up and listen to some people who've been around this game their entire lives. Yep. Isaac, do you, I saw you unmuted. I know I've been hogging the guest. You got something for us? No, listening in. Yeah. Okay. I'm enjoying. I'm enjoying uh, Jeff's take on all of this from a Giants perspective. Hearing your your triumphs from the 0 and 16 season. <laughs> Look, you know, as a Giants fan, right now we're going through the 
the dreaded years of being a fan, you know, and uh, Jake knows why I'm a Giants fan. Probably I'm a Giants fan because my older brother was a Giants fan, live in Ohio, and everybody asked me, I was like, hey, what's your favorite team? I was like, oh, New York Giants, and they're like, what? Like, why aren't you, a, why aren't you an Ohio team guy? Don't know. I like the Browns. I'll never root against the Browns unless they're playing the Giants, of course, but uh, it, it, it's been a fun conversation to listen in, but one question that I do have um, and I know that you're you're a big draft guy. You like diving in and analyzing the draft. And I know you guys have been talking about Edge with J.D. Von Clowney um, and Jake previously. You know, in previous conversations, he's like, "Man, I really don't want anything to do with them." And now more research has come out, more analytics has come out, and it's kind of on the fence. But right now, as we stand, you know, first round, you know, do they trade up? Do they trade down? Do they go Edge? What is your first thoughts that the Browns the Browns address in round one of the 2021 NFL draft? I think, look, and a lot of this is going to come down to, and I'm not saying the Browns have essentially told Jadavian Clowney a deadline, but, but you have to believe that, hey, look, we need to know by that Thursday night. Um, but I, I think the bigger issue is, and look, you brought in Zach McKinley. You have some other guys here. They're probably going to add another one. But you... The first thing is you look at pick 26, and if Greedy Williams is healthy enough, which we won't know until August, the Browns' first-round selection, he's not going to be a starter. They don't they don't necessarily have a opening spot for a starter. But if you look at it, what is your biggest question mark? It's whether or not Greedy Williams, the next time he lays a shoulder into somebody, is he going to get up? Is he going to be able to take another snap? Uh, this cornerback class has brings some guys that are interesting as far as just overall talent, and it also has some guys that are interesting due to their size. One guy I always harp about on the show is is you know you look at Chase Claypool. He's not going away. He had a field day versus the Browns in three games last year. You need some sort of size to match up with that. There are guys who can do that. Afitu Melafonwu, Asante Samuel Jr. plays bigger than his size. Greg Newsom, who seems to be everybody's new darling from Northwestern, he comes at it with size and some physicality. I think, I think the clowny thing somewhere along the line is going to get done, which then just basically screams cornerback at twenty six, or yeah. they're going to trade back because right now with nine draft picks, the Browns don't have room for nine draft picks, and analytic people are not going to draft somebody that they understand there's a significant possibility they're going to have to cut him. It's just not going to work that way. So I think the Browns are going to go to more of an approach of let's trade away and maybe not take much in day three because it's a complicated year due to guys who didn't play, due to you know whatever, you know, he didn't have a combine, which is usually the true assessment of all these testing numbers. I think the Browns... Are looking for a nice four to five player haul somewhere within the first 110 picks, and if they got to parlay four or five picks from this draft into next year through trade, I think they're going to be totally content with that. Yeah, I I I do like two or three weekly, uh, two or three mock drafts a week, and and I've really taken to that lately. Where I I I look at them a lot. Going, I don't think they there. I think there's a very like you said, they get that clowny thing done. I think there's a very high chance that their first pick is in the 40s. Like, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, see, and and I've heard you say that. I've heard, uh, you know, 
people over at the OBR have said that. I know Pete's, Pete kind of is with you guys on that as well. Um, I, 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 I had a mock draft today where I went back to 46 and I picked up like a future two and a three. I want to say it was from the Bengals maybe um, or something along the lines there. No, it was the Broncos. And, and I was able to get Asante Samuel Jr. there at that spot and add these picks next year, a two and a three next year. And, and I was like, oh, wow, I, I feel like an analytic office. Like that is like an analytical wet dream, so to speak. And, of course. And so I, I saw something today. I just saw it. I have this tweet saved and I saved it for you. Um, and and it's, it, it's talking about Mel Kuyper's biggest uh, board jumper, the guy that's shooting up his board. Cause I'm, I know you're going to hate it, but I'm going to tell you, I guarantee, almost guarantee it. Mel Kuyper puts him at 26 next week. And, and, and that's Kentucky linebacker, Jamin Davis. See, he's look, Jamin Davis today blew the world apart. And yeah. now if you go back two or three months, there were guys like Mel Kuyper. There were guys like Daniel Jeremiah talking about Jamin Davis. They were also talking about the cornerback, Joseph, out of Kentucky. And at the time, it was kind of like, well, these guys seem like day three players. You read between the lines, what did it tell you? These guys are going to test through the roof. I have confirmation. I got video. I got people sending me numbers. But no, again, you're not going. Look, and here's the thing in which most people don't get. When you have Grant Elbit, you have Ronnie Harrison, you just went and gave John Johnson the third this money. They want to play a bunch of defensive backs. So, and this is where it's the craziest thing. So, if the linebacker that you want to draft at 26 does his job on first and 10, okay, so now it's second and nine, he's coming off the he's field come, yeah. because they're putting more corners and they're putting more safeties on. So you want to draft a guy at 26. If he does his job, he maybe pays 15 to 20 snaps a game. No, no, yeah. no, no. But what, the one thing Jamin Davis did today is, and uh, Mr. Uh, Zabin out of Tulsa, um, bro, you better lose 30 pounds before your pro day because you got linebackers running four fours. And I don't care what you were listed at. And data, if you weigh 260 pounds... You better fake a hamstring now because yeah. you were not going to compete athletically with these guys. Yeah, uh, Davis's numbers. I'm looking at Davis's numbers right now. Six four two thirty four, forty two inch vert, and a four four one. Yes, and he and with his long skinny ass arms was still able to do twenty bench reps, which tells you this kid lives in the gym. He does every workout that's asked of him, and then when everybody leaves, he stays for another thirty minutes. Yeah. Um. And you need athleticism now on that backside of the defense. I mean, look at Kyle Pitts, for example, on the pro day that he had. Ran 4-4 as a, as a tight end. At what, 245? Two, yes. Not very many linebackers and safeties, for that matter, are going to be able to keep up with that. Nope. It's not. I, I, just pray Atlanta takes him at four because I don't want to see him in Cincinnati. Oh, I just, the Cincinnati thing, like, so we're from Athens, Ohio. Um, so we are from, you know, Joe Burrow's neck of the woods. So we, we root like heck for, you know, I mean, he's the old, most famous guy <laughs> that come out of our town probably yeah, ever. I watched him play high school ball and it was, it was impressive then. Yeah. Now. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I was I was working at a fast food job when he uh, lost the state championship, which was robbed. But that's not that's we're not into that right now. But it, it, I want Cincinnati so bad to get Penesul. Like, there's just like because you gotta protect the dude. I I couldn't believe he lasted as long as he did. And it, 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 I it's been you know. I'm, now I'm rambling. This is what what ends up happening on our show. Isaac usually reels me back in. Like that's his that's his job on the show. He just he, he he reels me in. He knows how to do it. He's he's good at it. Okay, we've had you for about twenty minutes, Jeff. I got one more for you if if, if you got time for it. So we had Jeff. We had another Jeff on the show last week. His name was Jeff Bartley. He has a baseball podcast. He's part of Blue Wire Hustle as well. We like to get fans and other people in. We like perspectives. We like conversations like we've had with you this evening. Um, he said something, and I was offended. I told you about it pre <laughs> before we set set the records. You got to set the record straight. Daniel Jones versus Baker Mayfield. See, this is not something you can even do right now. I agree, I agree. I, I mean, Baker Mayfield just came off of his best professional season and also came off from the fact that, hey, maybe those warts that went on in 2019 weren't necessarily on me. It was on the fact that this was just an absolute S-show. There was no rhyme or reason. And look, I, I still think a lot of what happened in 2019 is that everybody walked into there and the Browns were already anointed mm-hmm. oh well, look you brought in Beckham you brought in Vernon and and with everything that was done but it's great to just you know in the old days oh you want to crown them crown them yeah. they had done nothing they had earned nothing and you know everybody just assumed because Freddie Kitchens and some assistant coaches who were working under him had a nice five six week run mm-hmm. and they did there's no putting it but it didn't mean he was entitled or ready for this position because look normally you don't go from head coach of a franchise to tight end coach of another franchise it does not usually work that way and look John Dorsey obviously did not help the fact that they sent another offseason and did not dress address the offensive tackle position certainly did not help look Daniel Jones and this is it I mean there's going to be no more excuses for the Giants this year and for Daniel Jones look if Daniel Jones doesn't get it done this year, it's over for Daniel Jones, and it's over for Dave Gettleman. That's it. You get one shot at this, and I, I'll be honest, I don't know if he's the guy. I think there's enough there with Daniel Jones to work with. I think you like the athleticism, and then there's times where you watch him toss the ball all over the place, and you're like, all right. And then there's times where you look at it, and you're like, I don't, I don't even know if this kid understands – Anything, I think there's safeties who are subpar players deking him in the throws. and It's going to be a big year. But here's the funniest thing is 8-8-1 eight, eight, might win you the NFC East. <laughs> so who knows? I mean, the Giants could end up hosting a playoff game and decide that Daniel Jones is not their future quarterback and they may maybe need to move on from Dave Gettleman because the NFC East is just an absolute mess. I mean, this division had Taylor uh, Taylor Heineke playing a playoff game as a starting quarterback for their, you know, for the, the team that won the division, which is, and, I mean, and I'm older, and I go back to, like, when the NFC East was, like, the beast of the beast of the NFL. Yeah. And, like, right now, it's kind of like, like they're like the Sunbelt Conference, for God's sakes. And t- t- Taylor Heineke's 
one playoff game got him some money though. Good for that man. Oh yeah, no, it was it was a joy to watch. I mean, it was absolute because it was just kind of like you know, well, what happens if you get in this situation where you got to play option number seven? Yeah, and that's exactly where Washington was. And I mean, the kid did everything within his power. I, I think he separated his shoulder during the game, and he still went on. You know, it was great to watch. And hey, I mean, he, he, you know, he deserved the money or whatever. Um, and you know, Washington, who, who knows where they're going from here? But uh, you know, the NFC East uh, on a whole. You know, I mean, Philly's just an absolute mess right now. Dallas, there's just way too much money invested in the offense and not enough in the defense, which you saw the Browns single-handedly expose last season. Uh, it's just a very, very, very weird division. Well, Jeff, we we really appreciate your time tonight, man. We'll let you we'll let you get out of here. I know I know you probably got more far more important things to do, but we really appreciate it, man. So. Uh... You know, just keep up the great work. I, I, I love I, I, I love your show. That's I mean, there's nothing else I can put about it. I, I, I listen to it all the time. I know I know you're great at blocking out the haters. You're way better th- at that than I am. But just know that I've I, I, it's taken a, it's taking a long time. And yeah. it basically what I've just said is, is like, what, why? Why? And I'll be honest, I think a lot of it had to, you know, I mean, as you know, if you listen to my show, I've been through a lot personally the last few years. Mm-hmm. And then when COVID and it was like, well, what am I literally spending my time getting aggravated for? So now a lot of time it's, you know, the quote t- tweet with the okay, <laughs> yes. you, know, you know, you know, and just so much of this, and, oh, well, they need a linebacker. That's great. He's never going to play. Fantastic. You want a linebacker? That's fine. They've and, got you know, six. And, and, and I learned a lot of this, you know, with, you know, because my relationship, you know, I had a pretty good relationship with Joe Schobert and his wife, obviously they were really mm-hmm. good to me. And what it was is, you know, they, the, the new front office, after he had gotten lied to by the John Dorsey front office, saying, "Here comes your, here's the extension talks," he never came. The new regime basically told him, "We're not really going to offer you anything because you're not going to want the money we're going to offer you." And then when you see what they signed BJ Goodson for, yeah. what they paid every linebacker on their 2020 roster less than what Joe Schobert made, and you want to know what? This Browns front office looks at that linebacker group and says, you want to know what? We made money here because these guys outplayed what we actually paid for the position. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think that linebacker room, the way it's set up, if Jacob Phillips can become just like like an, like an 75% of what I think we saw in in the in the draft. Just be there. Honestly, it's just being there more. It's yeah. being there. It's not – if it weren't for the three separate injuries – and that's why Malcolm Smith was brought back. Yeah. Because Malcolm Smith is a – Jacob Phillips is the predecessor to Malcolm Smith. And they said, you want to know what? We just didn't see enough of Jacob Phillips. And if Malcolm Smith's going to willing to come back and it's not going to cost us a dime, that's fine. And then maybe we can have this same plan and carry it over, but next year. Yeah. Well, like I said, Jeff, you've been you've been great. You've been amazing. We appreciate, appreciate you. Uh, uh, you know, stay safe out there, man. All the best, gentlemen. Take care of yourselves. Thank you. Me too. All right, guys. Just another uh, – just I can't thank Jeff Lloyd enough. Uh, I, I told him this, you know, during the show, before and after the show. I listen to the guy all the time, and I just think he's he's a, he's really good at what he does. And, um, you know, if you're ever looking for advice, you know, he's a guy that's willing and, and knowledgeable. You know, he's he shared some nuggets with us, and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was a great conversation. Isaac kind of uh, hung back and let me fangirl uh, quite a bit there, and I really appreciate that. You know I do. You know, it was a great learning experience for both of us. Yeah, I, I took 
on this one, and I just let it, you know, I just let it play out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I enjoy the Browns. I can't classify myself as a Browns fan because that would be wrong of me to do because I'm a Giants fan. But when you see a conversation just flowing the way it is, it would have been unjust of me to, to chime in and ruin that because you guys were having a great conversation. I was able to enter time a couple of times here and there and ask some questions, which was great. But the learning experience off of that and seeing the professionalism of Jeff Floyd and his expertise in the game of not only the Browns but the NFL in general and his his knowledge and expertise of the upcoming draft class, it's incredible. Um, it truly was a great experience as we're growing and, and trying to get this podcast off the ground and continue to do something that really, you know, it started with you and I just really enjoying to talk about football together and i remember it to this day you know we're sitting there talking texting back and forth and we were just like you know it'd be really cool if we recorded ourselves talking about football and here we are yeah we uh, we get to record with one of your favorite podcasts and you know you look at where we've come from a year and a half ago to to now it's great it's a great experience so i i thank you jeff for taking the time out of your busy life um, to come and talk to us, so and, and I thank Blue Wire Hustle too, like because we've been a, this is our third episode since we've been part of Blue Wire Hustle. Um, going in the last two since we've been two weeks ago, our Simplecast uh, site launched. We've had fifty three listens. Like I don't know if we had fifty three listens in the twenty twenty NFL season. Like I think we did. I mean, like, yeah, re- legitimately, we're probably close to it. That's probably close to the whole season. Like, and, yeah. and we, we only missed a couple of, of, of weeks because of scheduling conflicts, which the, I'm telling you, people like, you know, Jeff Lloyd does his, his show five times a week. And I, I got a lot of respect for the guys that can find ways to make that happen because we do 30 to 45 yeah. minutes once a week. Yeah. And it, it's great. So, we got a couple. We we just got a couple of ho- little housekeeping chores we got to talk about here real quick uh, before we talk about a very very special episode that uh, we'll be doing next Wednesday night. Uh, so the Giants made a signing. I know the signing very well. I remember Danny Shelton, uh, first round draft pick uh, for the Cleveland Browns a few years back. He signed in the in New York to replace Dalvin Tomlinson, and uh, I I believe you have some thoughts. <laughs> You know, as I said, you know, off the air, Dalvin Tomlinson, I call him D-Tom. You know, him and I were close. Oh, really. But Tomlinson was by far, in my opinion, our best defensive lineman. Um, He was incredible on the impact that he was able to do. And he's no longer a giant. We kept Leonard Williams. And maybe I'm missing missing something. I could be, right? You know, I'm not a professional analyst or a scout, and I don't have that professional eye. But from my perspective, I see Leonard Williams had a decent year, but was it because of Leonard Williams or because of the impact that Dalton Tomlinson had on the interior that allowed Leonard Williams to have a little bit more success? Not taking away that Leonard Williams is not a professional football player and talented. I'm not trying to say that at all. But out of the two, those are your two big names on the New York Giants defensive line. To me, they got rid of the the, the better of the two, 
granted they probably got rid of the one that was the more expensive of the two i understand that there's there's cap space there's there's the budget there's the financial aspect of it but danny shelton comes in like you said he's like a c c plus player um not a bad pick i'm not saying it's a bad pick uh it's not the greatest pick it does help us um, in an area that we now need since we got rid of Dalvin Tomlinson. But look, no, I'm not a fan of it because I really like Tomlinson. Uh, before free agency started, I said on the show that I really wanted to keep Tomlinson. Yeah. Um, the Giants, I believe, and I, I, I still do believe this, that they are a much better team now with the free agent signings that Dave Gettleman has done. Yes, I slightly com- complimented Dave Gettleman. <laughs> doesn't happen very often, but the Giants on paper right now, it. you seem that they are in a better position. I think they even grows a few ranks in the ESPN's free agency power rankings over the past couple of days. So that's great. We'll see how we're talking about this in the actual season when we're playing football. Jeff Floyd make it, made a great point that this is a year that will decide Dave Gettleman and Daniel Jones. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I said the same thing last year. I said that this year was going to decide Dave Gettleman, and we had a bad year, and Dave Gettleman is still here. So I don't know. I say this every offseason, and he's still here the next year. But seemingly, they allowed Dave Gettleman to spend a lot of money in this free agency and bring in some, quite a few people on a year that cap space was not, you know, not where it's going to be in the next couple of years. It's going to be better later on. We've signed some big names. We spent a lot of money. We got rid of some big names to bring in other people on different sides of the ball. Yes, this should be the year that Dave Gettleman says, hey, if they're not in the playoffs, then he's gone. And as Jeff said, they could potentially be in the playoffs at 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one and host a playoff game. It's sad to say. It, it, I mean, it's true. It's... it really is. It's true. It could happen. At that point in time, if the Giants are in the playoffs hosting a playoff game at 8-8-1, eight, eight, do you keep or do you fire Dave Gettleman? That's a pretty hard question, I think, because your record shows actually you were kind of bad that year. You weren't terrible. You weren't good. You're right there in the middle. But you're in the playoffs and you're hosting a playoff game, so there's that, you know, that's a conversation we'll have if we're in that situation. Nonetheless, Dalvin Thompson, I miss you. Danny Sheldon, eh, I'm not upset about it. But I would prefer D-Tom to stay on the team. Our, yes, our few housekeeping notes were to complain about Dave Gettleman. I mean, did you think we were going to get through an episode without it? You know, I haven't thrown shade at Evan Ingram. I was about to, just for you. <laughs> you know, okay, go ahead. I was I'll, just going to be like, and don't forget, Evan Ingram can't catch a cold. <laughs> like, that's it. That's yeah. all I was going to say. That's our nice little jabs, people listening on this, now that we're up to 53 listeners. Great. 53. It's awesome. You, you guys awesome. are probably annoyed with my Dave Gettleman job and Evan Ingram. This is a routine. I do it every week. You guys know this. <laughs> but seriously. If you're along for this ride. Yeah. I am happy where the Giants are at. So you should all be. of the complaining and, and all of that, I really am liking where the direction is going. I'm excited for the year. I think we're both in really good positions with our teams going into the draft here in a few weeks. Um, I know that you're going to talk a little bit about the special episode that we have next week planned. It's going to be a fun ride. It's been a great night talking to Jeff Floyd. It, Wednesdays. Wednesdays are, are uh, one of my favorite days of the week because we record. 
It's right smack dab in the middle. Like, I'm on vacation the rest of the week. I'm off. Uh, I'm off work until Monday. I'm just, like, chilling out with my wife and my dog, and we're going to have, you know, a good time and whatnot. But um, during the weeks, it breaks it up really nice. And then, like, even in this off season when it's when there's not football, it, it keeps me from driving my wife crazy talking about football so that I, can, I just keep it bottled up and I'll let it out on Wednesday night. You know? All right. You know? So next week, me and Isaac are going to uh, do a live mock draft. Uh, it's not going to be like live, live. It's going to be live as we record it. Um, we're going to do a full seven round Giants and Browns mock. Um, I'm going to put it up on my monitor and I'm going to position it pretty well so Isaac can see the, the whole thing. But uh, there's going to be a little bit of like if he can't see clearly or not. We're going to run like some tests on it and and whatnot. So, um, but it will be done on the Pro Draft Network, uh, which um, offers you trades. You can also offer your own trades. Um, I typically I don't believe the Browns trade up at all. Like I just don't think it happens. So. I'm not a trade-up guy. I know Isaac before tried to do a trade-up where he was trying to land uh, either Waddle and Smith or, or, or Smith and Pitts, which <laughs> we'll get into how wild that was, which things are a little bit different now. You got Galladay and you, and you got Kyle Rudolph. Um, but we're gonna run. We're gonna run a, a mock. We're gonna talk. It's gonna be a draft episode. We're gonna run a run a mock and talk a little bit about the prospects as we look at it. Um, we're gonna look at you know here's the top guys that are available and and you know if it's if it's in a position in need like guys like Jalen Phillips and Caleb Farley like for me they're off my board because of medical issues for the Browns and I don't see an analytically ran front office um, you know. Uh, look, looking into that sort of thing. So, you know, we're gonna we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna break down, do a mock draft. Um, I've heard the great Aaron Gaston will be joining the show next month, and we've tried to get him on before, but you know, he's a busy guy. He is a busy guy. We're um, I haven't talked to Aaron in a while, but I I've, I've had several conversations with your brother, including at your wedding, and, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, um, it's gonna be a good show. It's gonna be a great show. We're gonna try to do like a four-person draft show the night before too. We're trying. We got big things coming, guys. Like a lot of you guys are related to me, but like some of you are not. And apparently, somebody in Indonesia listened to this podcast, so that's a big deal. If you guys want to hear a certain format, if you want us to talk about something, if you want to for us to add a segment to the show, let us know. I mean, we, we keep it pretty informal. It's conversation-based. Our goal is to have a, a show by fans for fans. And that was one of the coolest things this week that we saw on Apple Podcast Reviews was, you know, who whoever posted that described our show as a, a, a podcast for fans by fans. And uh, Jake and I read that and we're like, you know, that was our goal. That's yeah. our goal of the show. Uh, we want to continue that. But with that being said, if you guys want us to talk about something and just specifically or just have a specific segment let us know and we'll try to do it yeah hit us up on on twitter at rochism 13 r-o-a-c-h-i-z-m-1-3 uh as as well isaac's over there at isaac 10 g his name is not spelled weird mine is so you know hit us up there if you know us text us uh say something in the i check the reviews on apple podcasts all the time so 
say something in the review about it, you know? I, tell them about how annoying my voice is when I get passionate and fired up and it goes up 12 octaves. I know, I hear it. But, you know, we got a great show lined up for you guys. I think this was our best show. We had an amazing conversation with Jeff Lloyd. We're running a little bit long now, so I'm going to wrap it up here. But we will see you guys next week with a very special draft episode. We love you guys. Stay safe. As soon as I can find the stop button.